We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by Nick Filato, my podcast co-host, my buddy, my man. I'm broadcasting this one to you today, so if the audio is a little bit off, bear with us. I'm broadcasting this one to you today from sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, where the place of the infamous, what has been told to us at least since as the worst audio recording file we've ever released, uh, that we've ever published the interview with Joel Corey, which is so sad because Joel's the man, uh, works with me at CBS Sports, one of the best cap guys I've ever met, knows more about the salary cap in the NFL than anyone I've ever met and probably might be anyone I've seen online. But unfortunately, that interview with Joel, and we've joked about it since, did not exactly go as planned from an audio quality standpoint. We hope this one is a lot better. It already sounds like it's going to be better. Um, wanted to get a little little touch a little bit more on what's going on in free agency with the Giants. This is obviously day three of free agency. Technically not because the new league year is starting today, but of the legal tampering period. So we wanted to catch up on some news with the Giants, talk a little Giants football, everything like that. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing well, man. I'm doing well. Just uh, looking at the Giants moves. They've been relatively quiet. They haven't landed that big splash Kenny Galladay as of the recording or anything like that, but they added some pieces and they, Resign Leonard Williams, man. Yeah, we'll get into all of that as well. But first, before we do any of that, I did want to go ahead and ask you about your thoughts on this. Today, this morning from Vegas, from my hotel room, um, staying at the Paris Hotel, I was awoken by a ridiculous alarm that went off for, literally, I recorded on my phone, it went off for three and a half minutes. So I'm going to give the listeners a little feel for what this sounded like in the morning. And this came after a night of drinking. Craps, a little bit of PLO poker, dinner, 
a little trip to Planet 13 for those who don't, who those who know. And I was awoken and I was not able to fall back asleep. So I, I may sound a little bit off today, and I do apologize for that to the listeners. But here's what I was awoken to, and you tell me what you would do if you heard this. <laughs> three I, minutes I straight you. on three and a half minutes 9 a.m three and a half minutes 9 a.m vegas time it was it was devastating nick uh, i would be scared that there was like a zombie apocalypse coming i was i would part of me was like alarms to the point of like what the hell is going on in this room right now and what the hell is going on in this hotel right now the other part of me was like I need sleep. I'm never going to be able to go back to sleep after this. And I feel like absolute shit. I'm hungover. I have like four hours of sleep in me and I'm never going back to sleep. So would you, the the question comes now, like, what do I do? Do I go down there to, to, to the reception or call them up and be like, listen, this is unacceptable. We can't, we can't ever let this happen again. Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) There's no, there's no way that can ever happen. Especially you're going to be out drinking, bro. Like you're in Vegas. You got to live it up, bro. To an extent. I mean, it's pretty interesting out here. Um, everybody's wearing masks at all times, which I think is obviously a good thing, whatnot. Uh, I'm not going to get in on that, whatever. But there are masks everywhere at all times, which is interesting, I should say. Um, and it's still packed here. I mean, I, I realized last night we were like surprised at how everywhere was packed. Everywhere on the strip we were trying to find dinner at. Um, obviously trying to go to like a decent spot, not a quick like, you know, Chick-fil-A McDonald's type thing. But everywhere had like 45-minute hour waits on a Tuesday night. And it was like... Oh, it's spring break. So it's spring break, apparently. So there's a lot of kids around here. So and it feels weird these days calling them kids. But we're at that age, net, man, now. Like, we're these, these are kids to us now. Yeah, no, we're getting old. <laughs> we're getting old. All right, let's talk some Giants football. So yesterday, the big news was Leonard Williams was re-signed. The Giants got it in before the new league year. Let's talk of, you know, will they get it in? Will they not get it in? Well, they're so far away. There was talk about how they're so far away on the contract details that they might not get it in. But the whole time, I think everybody was well aware of or everybody should have been well aware of the fact that the Giants needed to basically get this done by the new league year so they can get under the salary cap and so they can give themselves some flexibility to ultimately be able to maybe make another play in free agency. I don't know what that might be, but some kind of play in free agency that can, and this will allow them to do that. So I don't think it was any surprise. I think it's pretty well known that based on what Dave Gettleman gave up to get Leonard Williams, that he had all the leverage in the contract negotiations. I think that's very clear. Um, and it came out in my mind in the final deal. The deal is a three-year, sixty-three million dollar deal with forty-five million dollar guaranteed, a twenty-two point five million dollar uh, signing bonus. They lowered the cap hit to just eleven million for twenty twenty-one, backloading twenty-six and a half million for twenty twenty-two, twenty-five and a half million for twenty twenty-three. I like the fact that they backloaded, but when you're paying over twenty million dollars to a non-quarterback, a non-edge rusher, or a non-cornerback like an elite cornerback, just an interior defensive lineman, it's clear he had the leverage. I mean, this is – people are – good players are signing for half price per year, AP average per year, than, than, than Williams. You're basically paying for two players when you're paying him $20 million a year. So what did you make of this contract, Nick? Um, what are some of your thoughts on this initial deal? It's, uh, it's great for Lenny because this guy is coming off of 11-and-a-half sack season. The year prior, he – we all just complain because he could never finish the job and sack the quarterback. So talk about having all the leverage, like you said. 
But it's great that the Giants were able to lower that cap hit from 19, around 19 million to 11 million. That's huge for what they can do in this free agent period. But then you look at his future cap hit. In 2022, it's 26 and a half million, and then in 2023, it's 25 and a half million. And I can see, you know, look in the future, a year from now, we're going to be complaining about how much money that really is. Now, granted, the Giants are going to have, I think now, according to uh, Spot Track, it's going to be around 50 million in cap space for next year. That's with this contract included. You know, the Giants are probably going to extend Jabril Peppers. Who knows? They're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Saquon Barkley, you'd imagine. Maybe start talking to Daniel Jones. Hopefully not. And they can wait to extend Daniel Jones. But, I mean, I'm not huge on on paying, like you said, uh, non-quarterbacks this much money. But we also heard that it was going to be, you know, $26 million a year and all this. And we're like, oh, geez, that's ridiculous. So $21 million a year is a little bit more tolerable. But it's uh, it's not something that I, I love, but I, I understand. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that $50 million number in potential salary cap space for the 2022 season will not be, you know, what it is. So first of all, they're going to create another close to 15 to 20 million just by getting Solder off the books, which is going to be a guarantee, I believe. Solder restructure, which we'll get to in a little bit. He restructured his contract and it was actually a salary cut, which is great news. Um. And I think, well, you know, it's unfortunately for him, like, you got to do it, buddy. Like, thankfully, he did it. And I think the Giants basically came to him and were like, we're just going to cut you if you don't do this. And you can try to find a contract on the open market, which would have been tough, I think, for Solder to do coming off a season where he sat out and given his age and kind of the tape that he put out there in 2019. But he'll be off the books. And I can only hope to God Riley Dixon will be off the books. I mean, you... Ryan Dixon's not a good punter in the NFL, in my mind. He's not even close. I think he's a bottom half punter, and he's making like $4 million next year against the cap, or you can create $3.5 million by releasing him. So that'll be gone too. So they'll have a little bit more flexibility. And like you said, that some of that could go to Jabril Peppers. Some of that, I guess, could go to maybe an Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, or Daniel Jones. We hope not for any of those three, at least not next year for any of those three. Um, but we'll have to see. But it does give them flexibility, I think, for the now, and it gives them flexibility for the future. I like that this deal, Nick, is a three-year deal, and it's not the traditional Odell Beckham type four, five, six million dollar. Uh, I'm sorry, six-year deal, Nick. I think three years is good for a player of his age. It gives the Giants some flexibility when he comes off that third year to maybe re-sign him, but also, you know, maybe his market value has dropped, and so you don't have to pay the same price if you want to re-sign him. You let him hit test the market. He comes back to the Giants, something like that, because he's a little bit older, a little bit more tread on the tires. I like that. I think it's interesting that the $45 million guarantee that he got was actually more than any player in Giants history has ever gotten, including any Eli Manning contract, the big Odell Beckham contract. And that to me is really interesting because you're banking on a player who's an IDL to to be your, you know, your franchise face of the defense. And you're paying him, like I said, two basically the, the, the equivalent of two very quality player contracts. I mean, you're seeing guys sign for in that 10 to $12 million per year range right now who are quality players. And then you're seeing guys resign for in that range. Now, I think all that needs to be taken with a grain of salt, Nick, and I'm sure you agree because the salary cap is going to go up. It's going to go up a lot. I mean, a- after they make that new TV, after they agree to that new TV deal, some people expect the salary cap to jump all the way to $250 million by 2026, I believe, or 2025. And then I saw something the other day from Ian Rappaport that was like, NFL teams are expecting a massive jump by 2023 for the salary cap. So not even waiting all that far down the line. So money now is going to be worth 
it's money down. Th- this, these numbers down the line, I should say, aren't going to be as alarming. I don't think. I think it's more the more kind of fit into, I guess, the equivalent of like a seventeen or eighteen million dollar per year type player for the Williams, but. It still is a lot, man, for an interior defensive lineman. I do honestly believe that. I mean, this is not an edge rusher. This is still an interior defensive lineman. But we we both agree he's a great player, and we're both, I, I would say, happy to get him back, correct? Absolutely. Definitely happy to get him back. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of just players in general signing these two-year deals, three-year deals, because they their agents are aware that the salary cap is going to go up so much and benefits them. And Leonard Williams, I think he's going to be, what, now 29 going into free agency, going on to 30, going into free agency. He's going to have another bite at that apple. So it benefits him as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, a couple other small signings that we didn't get to on the first podcast. You want to tackle them right now? A fullback and a long snapper? (laughs) Yeah, Gillespie, uh, I mean, supposedly Houston, like the fan base loved this guy because he was just a hard-charging type of guy who is – a fan favorite, you know, the underachiever who just always gives his all, plays with a high amount of competitive toughness. I could see him doing that same thing here for the New York Giants and kind of being that special teams guy who's always making a tackle and everyone kind of loves him, but it's not like a huge difference-making type of signing, but it could be just a good one for the locker room and somebody who can help special teams. We know Joe Judge loves that, so I, I, you can't hate it. It's cheap, and it's somebody who can serve a purpose. Yeah, I think more so what this signing says is the Giants are committed to running this style of offense that will use, you know, those hard charging type fullbacks from time to time that will like to run power gap, that will like to run the ball, that will like to run heavy, tight personnel packages. I'm not totally opposed to that. I don't love that. I, I mean, personally, I'd rather the offense be a little bit more modern, a little bit more 11 personnel, a little bit more spread to create space, a little bit more motion before the snap, bunch formations, things of that nature. But they will be able to establish an identity or they will at least try to be able to establish an identity. And I think this type of player, I don't know too much about him, but I think this type of player will go, you know, will work in that regard. will will kind of move them more toward that direction of establishing a very physical identity on both sides of the ball. I mean, even the Williams resigning also works in that nature. They want physical fronts on both sides of the ball. And I'm not going to ever be against physicality on the front. I think it's really important in the NFL. I think we've seen that from time to time. I mean, the Bucks can sit. I mean, from everything you heard from the Bucks players in that Super Bowl, they felt like they were clearly the more physical team. Now, the Chiefs had a lot of injuries on their fronts, um, especially the offensive line. And the Bucks had a lot of talent on both of their fronts and a lot of depth on both of their fronts. But they were a physical football team, and it showed in that Super Bowl. And it still matters to be a physical team. Now, the Bucks prove to you that you can be a physical team, but you can be a vertical team and a physical team because that offense is still vertical. That offense still attacks. That offense still has passing designs that create space and create yards after the catch opportunity. So I think it, it, they don't have to go hand in hand. You don't have to be a fully, you know, old school offense and be physical. I think you can be physical and you could be have some modern mixed in. So I, I, I like the deal for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then there was also Mr. John Ross coming to New York. How you feel about that, buddy? Yeah, that one I'm 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 most excited about. Of all the moves the Giants have made so far, this one is by far and away the most exciting for me. And I don't want to fall back into that <laughs> that deep well I fell into with Corey Coleman when the Giants signed him. I love the Corey Coleman signing. To me, these are the exact type of gamble you want to make 
First of all, the deal was incredibly cheap. It's amazing to me that he signed for less than than Devontae Booker signed for with the Giants. Um, this was one million guaranteed. I think it was one year, two and a, up to two and a half, one year, one million guaranteed. But this is a position to me that can make a much bigger impact than the running backup running back position can make with a Devontae Booker type. Uh, this is a position to me that can have. Big time upside for a lot of reasons. And John Ross is a player that I like to take a swing on. He's still young coming off that rookie deal. He was a former top 10 pick. And that was obviously a pick that I would say was debatable, um, debated. I wouldn't have used the top 10 on John Ross, but mostly because of his injury history and because I would, I'm very wary of using top 10 picks on, on, you know, receivers who are like six foot under 200 pounds. I think it's a, it's a big risk to take from, the injury standpoint from the fact that, that you know, these guys are, are not huge, I, I, just in general for me. But now coming to the Giants on such a cheap deal, I think it's a good move. I think it's the type of gamble you want to make, Nick. I think for me, and I'm curious to get your take on this, Nick, so I'll cut off after this. For me, this is more so this has an impact of as long as if John Ross can work his way into like a 70% or more snap type role, it has a chance to change how the Giants offense works from a schematic standpoint. When you, I think the Giants went into this offseason, Nick, and they said, we need speed at the wide receiver position. Darius Layton tests well on paper. but We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At least from what he put on film last year in 2020, he wasn't all ultimately all that fast vertically. Um, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, I think those are self-explanatory when it comes to vertical speed, taking the top off of the defense, you know, being that knife, being that receiver who opens things up in the middle of the field just by 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 beating not by beating safeties deep, but by essentially forcing safeties to play a little further back and to respect the vertical a little bit more. So I think what they did is they said, we need speed at the wide receiver position and we want to be able to create more space schematically in the middle of the field by having a deep threat. And I think that if all things go well, that can actually happen with John Ross. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, if you want speed, John Ross is your guy. He shattered, well, he didn't shatter, but he 
beat Chris Johnson's 40-time record for the NFL Combine with a 4-2-2-40, and that's one reason why he was drafted in the top 10. And when you look at that draft, man, you want to know the three picks directly after John Ross. The Bengals have to be sick. The three picks, dude, directly after are Pat Mahomes, Marshawn Latimer, and Deshaun Watson. Ew, that, 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 that's just, that's just gut-wrenching if you're a Bengals fan. And it just seemed like John Ross faded in Cincinnati this year. After week two, he only played one snap. He was healthy this season, but it just seemed like it, it, there were questions about his uh, work ethic and stuff like that, meshing with his coaching staff. He just totally fell out of favor with the Bengals. I mean, he needs a new start. And he's going to get that here with the New York Giants. But these injuries, man, they're incredibly extensive. I'm talking about two meniscus tears dating back to his college, torn ACL in college, all right. on his right knee, his shoulder. He has three different types of injuries to his shoulder dating back to college and up to 2019. And then he also has a bunch of groin issues from the 2018 season. So there's a lot of injury issues here. But, man, I watched his tape, and he's incredibly explosive and incredibly sudden. Those type of athletic traits that just – aren't really on the Giants roster right now at the wide receiver position. I mean, I like Darius Slayton. I like Sterling Shepard. They're good athletes. But what John Ross can do with the football in his hands, it's incredibly electric and quick. And I just hope Jason Garrett can find a way to utilize him to stretch the defense, not just vertically, but also horizontally to open things up for Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard out of the slot and Darius Slayton. Yeah, I think you said it best there, Nick. I mean, the injuries are something to consider. The injuries are the reason why he is going for this cheap also because he faded, like you said. Part of that is because they had T. Higgins, A.J. Green, um, Tyler Boyd. They had a really stacked and loaded wide receiver core, and they even wanted to get Auden Tate in there because of the yeah, mismatch. Dan, like, he played one snap after week two. Like, it, that, that's, that's more than just, hey, we have a lot of other guys here. Yeah, I mean, it never went well for you could tell even from before last year, there were issues with him and the coaching staff, issues with him within the organization. I think obviously he needs a fresh start. This It's funny, this move is eerily similar to the Corey Coleman move, but I have a little bit more hope for this one because I had a higher grade on Ross coming out than I had on Coleman. I was actually, I didn't want him in the top 10. I wasn't a fan of him in the top 10, but when he was talked about as a background one, I was interested in John Ross for sure because when I watched him, he wasn't just that deep speed burner. I think you just made mention of it. He has a lot of suddenness to his game. He has a lot of ability to create separation due to his suddenness and his athleticism. In my mind, when I watched him and watched him, he was really good at creating separation on those in-breaking routes underneath. And that was why I was like, this guy can be an NFL player. This guy can be a first-round pick because he's not just somebody to take the top off of a defense. He's also someone who can consistently create underneath. It hasn't exactly shown up as much, like you said, at the NFL level for a variety of reasons. I mean, the injury history is extensive, but there is the upside that it can return. I don't want a Corey Coleman myself again. I was very excited about Corey Coleman. I liked when the Giants brought him over. I always wanted him to get a chance, even in that preseason scrimmage or whatever, when he <laughs> had a couple catches. I was like, look at this dude. He's good. He gets open. I don't want to go through that same process, but at one year, two and a half million with just one million guaranteed, I think there's a ton of upside if he can work his way onto the field. Yes, absolutely. And you brought it up, too, because the guy has 10 touchdowns. You brought up how he creates separation in kind of smaller spaces and underneath. I, w I think about seven of those touchdowns, I put it up on Twitter, were all in the red zone. And I'm talking about, like, within the five-yard line. Yeah, you're 100% right. And he's still just 25 years old. So I think, like you said, he could potentially be immediately, at least, 
a help for the Giants in the red zone. And remember, the Giants' red zone passing efficiency and red zone passing offense overall was one of the biggest reasons why they had one of the worst offenses in the NFL last year. They could not convert in the red zone from a passing standpoint. Now, that was made a lot harder with Barkley's injury because Barkley's actually a really good red zone runner. And I think losing him in the red zone is, is huge. But now he's hopefully back. And then you put a guy like John Ross in there who's had success in the red zone, who, like Nick said, can get open with suddenness in the red zone. Still just 25 years old, former top 10 pick, and somebody who really had good film at Washington. He really wasn't just a guy who ran that 4-2-2 and then just had like a – I'm trying to think of those old school guys. Like before the draft, before everyone knew the draft, before there was like – when there were, used to be less information on the draft, these guys who would destroy the combine like that. I'm talking like early 2000s, late 90s when I first started following it. They would just like scream up draft boards. Troy Williamson comes to mind, but Williamson's not a good example because he had some very good stats in college. I'll, I'll try to think of somebody like him who – Darius Hayward Bay comes to mind when the Raiders took him at seven overall. He definitely comes to mind as somebody who screamed up the board after 40. I don't think Ross was that kind of player. I think Ross had good film. And I think Ross, even like Nick said, with the Bengals had good film. Ross just fizzled out due to injuries and, and bad and bad, you know, bad fit culture wise in Cincinnati. But you never know with a guy like this. He could potentially fit, uh, uh, you know, I guess, change his change his game just by getting a change of scenery. He also needs to learn to hold on to the football. He had 14. 14- <laughs> 14 drops on 119 targets and only 51 catches. And that was an issue for him at Washington, too, coming out. So He's got tiny hands, man. He's got, like, sub-nine-inch hands. Exactly. So that may never be fixed. But, again, I think at worst, if this guy gets on the field, he changes what you can do schematically. Because if you just use him as, like, kind of like how Sean Payton uses his Devery Hendersons and his Mm. players like that over the years to just kind of clear out, you just open so much up. And... Jones can get the ball deep, and if you don't respect the clear-out routes, he'll hit it. So I think ultimately I like the upside of adding this kind of speed. This offense needed speed. It clearly needed speed. It's why we're open to the idea of Waddle. It's why I'm open to the idea of Waddle, who I do think is an amazing player, but I'm so just generally against taking smaller receivers in the, with a top 10 overall picker. I guess it's top 11, an 11th overall capital. But he's, I mean, the freakish, freakish type player. But when you add speed, it's really it can really open up the offense, I think, when things go right. I mean, who knows if that will be the case with John Ross here with the Giants, but I definitely like the upside of this move. I, I think ultimately, Nick, this will be my favorite move they made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what else they do. And I don't think this precludes them from drafting Jalen Waddle. I was talking no. to somebody on Twitter about that. I think this is just like, like a low-risk type of, hey, this guy is high draft pedigree. He can offer a lot, and if it doesn't work out, we could just cut him, and it's really no skin off our back. Completely agree. All right, the last Giants news, and then we'll get to some other news that impacts the Giants, I would say. But the last actual Giants news was Nate Solter's contract restructure. So his salary will be cut to approximately, this is according to Dan Dugan, his salary will be cut to approximately $4 million, which will create $6 million in cap savings. Um, this is essentially the same savings if he was cut. So this is good news. I think that he'll return as a swing tackle here um, and somebody who can be, you know, insurance just in case Matt Parrott isn't ready, just in case Matt Parrott doesn't make the jump Dave Gettleman expects him to make, just in case Matt Parrott is more of what we saw in those last few games than he was in the beginning. And I ultimately think Matt Parrott's going to make a big jump. I, I'm very excited for him. I think he's one of their best prospects heading into 2021. But I like that Nate Solders coming back on this restructured deal because he's been there, he's done it, and He's definitely someone who I, I think is one of the better swing tackles in the NFL. 
Oh, absolutely. And remember when the Giants signed Nate Solder, they brought him over. He was really coaching up Eric Flowers and helping Eric Flowers' development. He could do the same thing for these young guys. I think his presence with this offensive line is going to be really, really good. Something you and I talked about recently, Dan. We said they're going to need a a veteran offensive lineman here if they were to release Nate Solder. That was after they released Kevin Zeitler, but now Nate Solder is staying. I think that's going to be good for the offensive line unit. Yeah, I think you're spot on there, and I think... It's very hard to find offensive tackles in the NFL. It's so, so hard. And the Giants aren't going to find any kind of backup swing tackle that they need insurance-wise. That's going to be better than Solder right now at a, at a similar price, in my mind, on this market. Like, you can get Cam Fleming probably for that price, but I thought Cam Fleming was downright terrible for the most part in 2021. I hated watching Cam Fleming on tape, and I think that Solder, even at his worst, is basically what Cam Fleming is. And at his best, if he somehow, you know— his body's rejuvenated from taking a year off. His flexibility comes back. Things that made him what he was in New England. Then he's becoming one of the better swing tackles in the NFL. And so I like this move a lot. I'm happy he's back on this deal. I ultimately think it's super important to have a lot of bodies and a lot of talent and a lot of potential options at the offensive tackle, at the offensive guard, and at the center position because you need depth there. It's like a bull. I, tr- I want to treat it like a bullpen, Nick. Don't ever feel like you have enough. The good teams in the in Major League Baseball never feel like they have enough. The Dodgers keep adding to their bullpen. The Yankees keep adding to their bullpen. The Mets, you know, even the White Sox this year, every the, the smart teams who are going for it are adding to their bullpen. The smart teams in the NFL are adding to their offensive line at all times. They're drafting them in the middle rounds, even if they have a starter there they like. And so I like this move. I think you should always try to get talent and former producting players you think you can potentially count on at these offensive line spots. So other news I thought was interesting, Nick, Kenny Galladay remains unsigned. I want to I want to say something that I saw on Twitter that I thought was interesting from Albert Breer. Albert Breer said he believes Kenny Galladay to the Giants is unlikely. He says, I'd be pretty surprised if Kenny Galladay wound up a Giant for the same reasons I told you the Patriots wouldn't pursue him. Things didn't end great for him in Detroit. You can connect the dots here. What do you make of that? I mean, I don't – like Joe Judge isn't Matt Patricia though. They're totally different people. Just because they have the same roots doesn't mean they're the same. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much validity that has. I mean, Albert Breer is a plugged-in dude, but I mean, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are two totally different and independent people. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I think – I think I, it's not that I want to take it with a grain of salt, but I do think – there's a lot of uncertainty around what the hell happened with Kenny Galladay last year. He had an injury that no one expected would would cost him the entire season. It ends up costing him the entire season. He was expected to be out for a couple weeks and then ultimately never played another game in Detroit. That's odd. That's really weird. Um, they haven't talked much about that. It's not like he got off-season surgery yet, and we've heard about that. So it's not like it was some kind of injury that definitely needed to be a season ender in my mind. And so it's kind of odd. It's definitely kind of weird. So... I, I don't want to say when there's smoke, there's fire, but I do think that this is ultimately one of the reasons why Kenny Galladay hasn't signed yet. Yeah, but I, why would he meet with the Giants if he wasn't gonna, if he wasn't going to even entertain it? You know, that, that, it just doesn't add up. No, I, I agree with that. I don't think. I think. I think it's more unlikely based on the fact that the Giants probably have, if Breers to be believed here, and I think it's possible, the Giants have a specific set offer allocated out to Galladay, and they won't get into some kind of bidding war like they did for Olivier Vernon. Remember, the Giants pursued Vernon in a very different way than they pursued Galladay or any of these players, because when they 
pursued Vernon in that 2016 free agency, they legit got into a bidding war with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Mm -hmm. they had to outbid the Jaguars, which is incredibly hard to do because you're outbidding a Florida team. And you have to outbid the state income tax that they get breaks that they get. And they did it. They outbid them. They went all in. They said, screw it. We don't have a set number for Vernon. We're going all in. We're bidding. I don't think that's going to be the case for Gallaudet. I think they have a set allocation that they have offered to him. And he has it on the table. And he's going to have to decide if he, if he thinks that's the best move for him. Yeah, no, I think I think that's more fair. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I, I do think they, like you said, why would they meet with him if they didn't have any interest in him? They clearly have some interest, level of interest in him. I think it's kind of just going to depend on if he's willing to take the offer the Giants are willing to give him. So we'll see what happens there. A couple other interesting notes that I uncovered or that I've seen uh, in between my time here and pursuing Twitter. I've kind of gone a little zero dark 30 on Twitter for those of you I'm sure are aware. I'm not tweeting as much as I use, usually do. That'll probably be the case for this entire vacation. I needed a vacation. This is the first vacation I took since being hired at CBS. And I've, I've done two different roles here at CBS. I've, I've, I've taken on a lot of hats and I've really enjoyed it. But the point is I needed a little break here. It's the first vacation in almost two years. So I won't be as active as usual, but I did see this and I thought it was interesting. Jordan Ronan said, he heard from multiple league sources that Leonard Floyd was a big Giants miss. He said they went really hard for Floyd, but he just chose to return to the Rams. What do you make of that? I mean, the Giants are really putting a precedent on adding to the edge position, which would uh, definitely intrigue me. I'm trying to look up Leonard Floyd's contract right now. $32.5 million guaranteed is what I'm seeing right here. But do you have the numbers right in front of you? Let's dig those up right now because it is curious. It is interesting to look at his numbers because Leonard Floyd, 28 years old, for those who don't know, he is the player who the Giants wanted in the 2016 draft. But as I know for a fact, based on I'm not I, I'm not supposed to really reveal why I know this. So it was supposed to be off the record. So I'm not going to reveal how I know this, but I know this from an NFL personnel executive. Let's just call him that it was leaked that the Giants wanted Leonard Floyd. And their moves were made because they knew the Giants were targeting Floyd. And they lost Floyd because of a leak in their building. So it's the player they wanted over Eli Apple originally. But then he went, then he kind of didn't fizzle out with the Bears, but he had some injuries with the Bears, signed with the Rams, and had a breakout season. He's now 28 years old, and he just signed a new contract with the Rams. That's going to be four years, $64 million with 32 and a half guaranteed. So... You can do the math on this, Nick. I know I can as well. That's $16 million per year versus kind of the, what, 22 that it's going to be for, for or 21 for Leonard Williams. Yes. So a little bit less per year, six, $5 million less per year AP, APY. So that's the deal that Leonard Floyd had. I think ultimately the Giants probably offered him something pretty similar, and he just decided to go back to the Rams. Yeah, and uh, honestly, Leonard Floyd, he had a good season this year playing with Aaron Donald. Right. But – he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He is 28 years old. He had 55 pressures this year. I think it was a pro football focus. I have their stats up. It says 13 sacks, but I believe it was like 11, 11 and a half or something like that. Pro football focus doesn't do half stats, but before that, they ne- he never had anything more than six and a half sacks and he's playing with Aaron Donald. So I, I don't know, man, I, I kind of didn't want Leonard Floyd at that number, to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you. I felt the same way as you. We we were spot on. I from Leonard Floyd was awesome last year. He had a breakout year and he was awesome. And he envisioning him running a two man game with Leonard Williams would be really cool. They could be really dominant together, and I think that could be awesome. When he's on the field, he's a great player. It was a good evaluation. He worked out. The Giants knew this was going to be. I mean, he had a lot of the same traits I thought, similar to Lorenzo Carter, but different because he was longer and he was a better pass rusher coming out. 
But the problem is, like you said, he's 28 years old and he has a massive injury history. And investing that much money into someone who's as injury prone as him is a huge risk that I didn't want to take as well. I'm much more happy to pay, honestly, to pay the $5 million more per year for Leonard Williams for a guy who, yeah, he's not an edge, but he's impacting the game in different ways. And he's really good pass rusher for an interior defensive lineman. And he doesn't have an injury history, Leonard Williams. And he's younger. And so um, it's not to say they would have gone one or the other. I think they were trying to sign both, honestly, and just make it work under the cap. But it is interesting to me that they've made this big push for Floyd because it says that they valued, in this free agency at least, the edge position over the wide receiver position, I think. Yes, yes. And we need that, too, because like like we've said, man, this this team has just had not had the edges that we're used to seeing, man. Usi Manure, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan. We go back, you know, all these premier edge rushers that kind of give you nostalgia. I mean, when's the last time we've had those kind of players other than JPP? You bring yeah, in Olivier Vernon, but Vernon did not live up to anywhere close to that contract. And Carter and O'Shane have just been injured last year. It's just it hasn't been a great position. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's wrap up with this one. This one is from also from Jordan Ronan. He says that the Giants were in the mix to some degree before he signed with the Patriots to sign tight end Hunter Henry. What do you make of that? It's unique. It means they want to upgrade over Evan Ingram to some extent, or maybe they're thinking they're going to use Evan Ingram in a different type of role. I, I haven't watched a lot of Chargers films, so I don't know how effective Hunter Henry is as a blocker, but I think we can all agree that they need to upgrade Evan Ingram's blocking if they want to really have success running the football in this power gap type of scheme. But they're looking for any type of pass-catching weapon similar to what the Patriots are doing. I mean, they brought in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. So they're just trying to surround Daniel Jones with these talented type of pass catchers. I don't really see an explosive type of player with Hunter Henry. I'm pretty sure you, you probably feel the same way. Yeah, I think that Hunter Henry is a player that I had high hopes for coming out. And then ultimately... The injuries have played a role in slowing his development. I don't think he's the blocker that I want him. If I'm investing that much in, an, in in a tight end, I want him to be a potential two-way tight end, an inline guy who can block, who can help you in the run game, but also in the pass game and give you that advantage like a Gronk and Kelsey gives you. I'm not so sure he gives you that. I do think there is some upside, though, because he was a really good prospect. He's still really young, and he's he's really good as a receiver, especially in the red zone. But I think ultimately at this tight end position, what it says more so than anything else is that Evan Ingram is not a lock to be here in the future. He is not somebody who, right, who we can do, we can just pencil in just because Joe Judge said he loves Evan Ingram, that I was going to get that second deal and he's going to be part of the future. I think Joe Judge was going to say that about literally any player they asked him about individually. You know what I mean? I don't think he's yeah. going to just. So essentially, um, I think that's the case. For those of you tuned into the podcast, um, thank you, as always, for listening, tuning in, sticking with us, even though I'm in Vegas and the audio isn't at its best. Keep in mind that you should always be helping us out or wanting to help us out by downloading, rating, subscribing, and review on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. That's NYBigBlueBanter. And lastly, we're going to do an, a, a different uh, – for those of you who have joined us on the Locker Room show, so for those who don't know, download the Locker Room app, and we host a live show where you can basically hit the speak to request uh, request the speak button, and you basically join us as if it was a live radio show, kind of like a WFAN experience. We'll be doing that tonight. So this is going to drop right away after we finish editing and recording. And then tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do a live Q&A. Maybe it will be with news of a Kenny Galladay signing. Who knows? definitely possible so keep that in mind stay tuned for that um and as always thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.